Chapter forty four of the Man in the Iron Mask by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Colbert. History will tell us, or rather, history has told us, of the various events of the following day, of the splendid fetes given by the surintendant to his sovereign. Nothing but amusement and delight was allowed to prevail throughout the whole of the following day there was a promenade a banquet a comedy to be acted and a comedy too in which to his great amazement porthos recognized monsieur coquelin de voliere as one of the actors in the piece called les fachots full of preoccupation however from the scene of the previous evening and hardly recovered from the effects of the poison which colbert had then administered to him the king during the whole of the day so brilliant in its effects so full of unexpected and startling novelties in which all the wonders of the arabian nights entertainments seemed to be reproduced for his especial amusement the king we say showed himself cold reserved and taciturn nothing could smooth the frowns upon his face every one who observed him noticed that a deep feeling of resentment of remote origin increased by slow degrees as the source becomes a river thanks to the thousand threads of water that increase its body was keenly alive in the depths of the king's heart toward the middle of the day only did he begin to resume a little serenity of manner and by that time he had in all probability made up his mind aramis who followed him step by step in his thoughts as in his walk concluded that the event he was expecting would not be long before it was announced this time colbert seemed to walk in concert with the bishop of vannes and had he received for every annoyance which he inflicted on the king a word of direction from aramis he could not have done better during the whole of the day the king who in all probability wished to free himself from some of the thoughts which disturbed his mind seemed to seek lavaliere's society as actively as he seemed to show his anxiety to flee that of monsieur colbert or monsieur fouquet the evening came the king had expressed a wish not to walk in the park until after cards in the evening in the interval between supper and the promenade cards and dice were introduced the king won a thousand pistoles and having won them he put them in his pocket and then rose saying and now gentlemen to the park he found the ladies of the court were already there the king we have before observed had won a thousand pistoles and had put them in his pocket but monsieur fouquet had somehow contrived to lose ten thousand so that among the courtiers there was still left a hundred and ninety thousand francs profit to divide a circumstance which made the countenances of the courtiers and the officers of the king's household the most joyous countenances in the world it was not the same however with the king's face for notwithstanding his success at play to which he was by no means insensible there still remained a slight shade of dissatisfaction colbert was waiting for or upon him at the corner of one of the avenues he was most probably waiting there in consequence of a rendezvous which had been given him by the king as louis the fourteenth who had avoided him or who had seemed to avoid him suddenly made him a sign and they then struck into the depths of the park together but la valliere too had observed the king's gloomy aspect and kindling glances 
she had remarked this and as nothing which lay hidden or smouldering in his heart was hidden from the gaze of her affection she understood that this repressed wrath menaced someone she prepared to withstand the current of his vengeance and intercede like an angel of mercy overcome by sadness nervously agitated deeply distressed at having been so long separated from her lover disturbed at the sight of the emotion she had divined she accordingly presented herself to the king with an embarrassed aspect which in his then disposition of mind the king interpreted unfavorably then as they were alone nearly alone inasmuch as colbert as soon as he perceived the young girl approaching had stopped and drawn back a dozen paces the king advanced toward la valliere and took her by the hand mademoiselle he said to her should i be guilty of an indiscretion if i were to inquire if you were indisposed for you seem to breathe as if you were oppressed by some secret cause of uneasiness and your eyes are filled with tears oh sire if i be indeed so and if my eyes are indeed full of tears i am sorrowful only at the sadness which seems to oppress your majesty my sadness you are mistaken mademoiselle no it is not sadness i experience what is it then sire humiliation humiliation oh sire what a word for you to use i mean mademoiselle that wherever i may happen to be no one else ought to be the master well then look round you on every side and judge whether i am not eclipsed i the king of france before the monarch of these wide domains oh, he continued clenching his hands and teeth when i think that this king well sire said louise terrified that this king is a faithless unworthy servant who grows proud and self-sufficient upon the strength of property that belongs to me and which he has stolen and therefore i am about to change this impudent minister's fete into sorrow and mourning of which the nymph of vaux as the poets say shall not soon lose the remembrance oh your majesty well mademoiselle are you about to take monsieur fouquet's part said louis impatiently no sire i will only ask whether you are well informed your majesty has more than once learned the value of accusations made at court louis the fourteenth made a sign for colbert to approach speak monsieur colbert said the young prince for i almost believe that mademoiselle de la valliere has need of your assistance before she can put any faith in the king's word tell mademoiselle what monsieur fouquet has done and you mademoiselle will perhaps have the kindness to listen it will not be long why did louis the fourteenth insist upon it in such a manner a very simple reason his heart was not at rest his mind was not thoroughly convinced he imagined there lay some dark hidden tortuous intrigue behind these thirteen millions of francs and he wished that the pure heart of la valliere which had revolted at the idea of theft or robbery should approve even were it only by a single word the resolution he had taken and which 
Nevertheless, he hesitated before carrying into execution. "'Speak, monsieur,' said La Valliere to Colbert, who had advanced. "'Speak, since the king wishes me to listen to you. Tell me, what is the crime with which Monsieur Fouquet is charged?' "'Oh, not very heinous, mademoiselle,' he retorted. "'A mere abuse of confidence.' speak speak colbert and when you have related it leave us and go and inform monsieur d'artagnan that i have certain orders to give him monsieur d'artagnan sire exclaimed la valliere but, but why send for monsieur d'artagnan i entreat you to tell me pardieu in order to arrest this haughty arrogant titan who true to his menace threatens to scale my heaven arrest monsieur fouquet do you say ah does that surprise you in his own house why not if he be guilty he is as guilty in his own house as anywhere else monsieur fouquet who at this moment is ruining himself for his sovereign in plain truth mademoiselle it seems as if you were defending this traitor colbert began to chuckle silently the king turned round at the sound of this suppressed mirth sire said la valliere it is not monsieur fouquet i am defending it is yourself me you are defending me sire you would dishonor yourself if you were to give such an order Dis honor myself murmured the king turning pale with anger in plain truth mademoiselle you show a strange persistence in what you say if i do sire my only motive is that of serving your majesty replied the noble-hearted girl for that i would risk i would sacrifice my very life without the least reserve Colbert seemed inclined to grumble and complain. La Valliere, that timid, gentle lamb, turned round upon him, and with a glance like lightning imposed silence upon him. "'Monsieur,' she said, "'when the king acts well, whether in doing so he does either myself or those who belong to me an injury, I have nothing to say. But were the king to confer a benefit either upon me or mine, and if he acted badly—' i should tell him so but it appears to me mademoiselle colbert ventured to say that i too love the king yes monseigneur we both love him but each in a different manner replied la valliere with such an accent that the heart of the young king was powerfully acted by it i love him so deeply that the whole world is aware of it so purely that the king himself does not doubt my affection he is my king and my master i am the least of all his servants but whoso touches his honor assails my life therefore i repeat that they dishonor the king who advise him to arrest monsieur fouquet under his own roof colbert hung down his head for he felt that the king had abandoned him. However, as he bent his head, he murmured, 
mademoiselle i have only one word to say do not say it then monsieur for i would not listen to it besides what could you have to tell me that monsieur fouquet has been guilty of certain crimes i believe he has because the king has said so and from the moment the king said i think so i have no occasion for other lips to say i affirm it but were monsieur fouquet the vilest of men i should say aloud monsieur fouquet's person is sacred to the king because he is the guest of monsieur fouquet were his house a den of thieves were vaux a cave of coiners or robbers his home is sacred his palace is inviolable since his wife is living in it and that is an asylum which even executioners would not dare to violate la valliere paused and was silent in spite of himself the king could not but admire her he was overpowered by the passionate energy of her voice by the nobleness of the cause she advocated colbert yielded overcome by the inequality of the struggle at last the king breathed again more freely shook his head and held out his hand to la valliere mademoiselle he said gently why do you decide against me do you know what this wretched fellow will do if i give him time to breathe again is he not a prey which will always be within your grasp should he escape and take to flight exclaimed colbert well monsieur it will always remain on record to the king's eternal honor that he allowed monsieur fouquet to flee and the more guilty he may have been the greater will the king's honor and glory appear compared with such unnecessary misery and shame louis kissed la valliere's hand as he knelt before her i am lost thought colbert then suddenly his face brightened up again no 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 ha old fox not yet he said to himself and while the king protected from observation by the thick covert of an enormous lime pressed la valliere to his breast with all the ardor of ineffable affection colbert tranquilly fumbled among the papers in his pocket-book and drew out of it a paper folded in the form of a letter somewhat yellow perhaps but one that must have been most precious since the intendant smiled as he looked at it he then bent a look full of hatred upon the charming group which the young girl and the king formed together a group revealed but for a moment as the light of the approaching torches shone upon it louis noticed the light reflected upon la valliere's white dress leave me louise he said for someone is coming mademoiselle mademoiselle someone is coming cried colbert to expedite the young girl's departure louise disappeared rapidly among the trees and then as the king who had been on his knees before the young girl was rising from his humble posture colbert exclaimed ah mademoiselle de la valliere has let something fall what is it inquired the king a paper a letter something white look there sire the king stooped down immediately and picked up the letter crumpling it in his hand as he did so and at the same moment the torches arrived inundating the blackness of the scene with a flood of light 
as bright as day. End of chapter 44. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.